Hello, this is Rumble, and I am Michael Moore. Welcome. Here is an open letter from myself, Michael Moore, to our new president-elect, Joseph Biden. Dear President-elect Biden, First of all, congratulations. You did it. We did it. You stopped the madness. A grateful nation and myself are in a state of joy, hope, and relief. Thank you for all of that. We are all eager to join with you to repair the damage done to our country and to eliminate that which gave us Donald Trump. Mr. President-elect, I first met you at the Democratic National Convention in Boston in 2004. It was clear to me from our talk that day that you were not the politician I remembered from the 1990s. On that day in Boston, we were, by then, over a year into the Iraq War, a war you had voted for. My film, Fahrenheit 9-11, had just come out in the theaters, and you wanted to let me know that you were aware of the folly you had been sucked into. It seemed to me that you were doing a lot of soul-searching, and you wanted to hear my thoughts. To be honest, I was distracted by just how perfect your teeth were, and I, I wondered to myself, could you really be from the working class, our working class? But by the end of our talk, I was convinced that there was something quite real and very good about you. I'm sincerely hoping that you will indeed govern as a president who is from the working class. You, one of us, is going to be in the White House. That's how it should feel. Your actions, if bold and brave, will make that true. You are also our second Catholic president. I do believe you are a person of faith. You and I were taught the same lessons in Catholic school. To love our neighbor, even our enemy. To create a world where everyone, regardless of status or station, has a seat at the table. And everyone gets a slice of the pie. A world where the rich man as it says in the Bible, will have a harder time getting into heaven than a camel will have getting through the eye of the needle. We, Joe, you and I, were taught that we will be judged by how we treat the least among us. Do I have that right? Are these not the moral and foundational principles of the coming Biden presidency? I have to tell you, I was so moved by your victory speech Saturday night when you told the immigrants and the children of immigrants across America that the dreamers no longer had to live in fear. That Muslims were once again welcomed into our country. That the world could breathe a sigh of relief because we were going to let the planet Earth itself breathe and have some relief. And you told 
you stood there and told the teachers of America that starting January 20th, one of your own will be living in the White House. Wow, that just felt instantly good. So if I may, I'd like to suggest a few things that might make your presidency one of the best this country has ever had. You and I may have our political differences. You like Amtrak trains. I'd like to ride a bullet train from New York to L.A. in 10 hours. But I know, I know deep down that you and I and tens of millions of others all want and believe in the same basic things. That health care is a human right and every American must be covered. That everyone must be paid a living wage and all of us must work to eliminate poverty and rebuild our broken middle class. That the massive and growing gulf between the ultra-rich and everyone else must be narrowed and the wealthy must go back to paying the taxes they should pay. And that women must be paid the same as men. And no man or government has the right to tell them what they can do or not do with their bodies. So here's my two cents. Take it or leave it. I'm hoping you take it. Number one, you are right to make containing COVID-19 job number one. Had Trump won, I'm guessing up to a million people in the next year or so would have died from him ignoring this virus. Yesterday, you named your COVID task force of doctors and scientists, and you are putting them to work immediately because we don't have a second to lose. Thank you for this. Number two, as soon as you can, please provide much more unemployment relief for the jobless, stimulus checks for all, help for small businesses, and the creation of jobs good-paying jobs that we desperately need. Number three, millions have lost their health insurance because our system ties one's health coverage to their employer. So what happens when the employer, like now, is suddenly gone or the boss wakes up one morning and decides "Eh, these employees' health benefits are too costly and they must be cut? Well, boom, that's the end of that. Millions of families suddenly have no health insurance. (sighs) Mr. President-elect, you know this is nuts. You must create a health system like the ones that exist in every other industrial democracy. One that's backed by the government, not by the whims of the boss where you work or the pandemic that has shut him or her down. It's just plain common sense. Number four, I see various people in the media and elsewhere trying to take credit for your victory and using their personal agendas to push you away from the progressive left and toward the cowardly center. The center, which believes that the best way to beat Republicans is to just be a more easily digestible version of Republicans. Republican light. They think because Trump got 70 million votes that the the Democrats should now reject 
reject Black Lives Matter, reject AOC, and and reject anything that vaguely sounds like socialism at a time when the majority of our citizens under the age of 35, according to most polls, prefer the idea of democratic socialism over the greed of modern-day capitalism. So don't just right off the bat start attacking the very thing they believe in. Why risk losing them? We need to listen to and understand why young adults feel this way. They've been saddled with crushing student debt, and we've handed them a planet that's in the middle of its sixth extinction event as their future. You and Barack introduced them to the benefits of democratic socialism by letting them stay on their parents' health insurance until they're 26. The result? They just set a record by coming out and voting for you in the largest youth numbers ever at the ballot box. But you know all this. And you also know how you won these razor-thin victories in the final five states as we nervously watched the final ballots come in from Black Philly, Black Detroit, Black Atlanta, and Black Flint. Out West, it was the Latinx and Navajo voters who delivered Nevada and Arizona to you. In your speech on Saturday, you acknowledged it. And never, never in my history have I heard a president-elect single out the black community and thank them, quote, as you said, for having my back. And I promise you, I will have your back. Wow. Black and brown and indigenous peoples, plus a landslide of women and young adult voters made this happen. Incredible. I absolutely know you'll keep that promise. Number five, please do not make the same mistake that an otherwise well-meaning and well-intentioned President Obama made in his first two years. He wanted everyone to get along. He was willing to compromise on anything. Kumbaya. (laughs) The Republicans had already decided that they were going to block everything Obama proposed. And that's exactly what they did for eight long years. You were there. You saw it. These Republicans did this with a discipline and a ruthlessness that we should probably envy. Don't let this happen to you. Charge in there on January 20th like FDR on steroids. You have no choice. People are dying. You need to sign executive orders and cajole, demand, and shame Congress into action. And go big. Eliminate the Electoral College through the National Popular Vote Act. We need, I think, only about 10 more states before it becomes the law of the land. Do it. Ratify the Equal Rights Amendment for women. We need just one more state to pass it. And it's done. 
send in the Army Corps of Engineers to Flint, Michigan to replace the poisoned water pipes once and for all. Please. Done and done. And you might have noticed that uh, none of the above needs a single vote of the United States Senate. In fact, if we lose the Senate, and I'm counting on us not to lose it come January 5th, but if we do, there are many things you can do without the Republicans in the Senate. You put together last summer a Biden-Bernie unity joint task force to study what the platform should be and what you could and would or should do, and you then accepted a very large chunk of this of this report. What was so great was that this unity joint task force identified a whopping 277 policies and decisions of Trump's that you now have the legal authority to immediately reverse by executive order or presidential policy decision. Find that big, fat, black marker of Trump's and just do it. But yes, I must admit, we do desperately need those two Georgia Senate seats to get the Biden-Harris years off to a blazing start. So let's make that happen. All hands on deck between now and January 5th. I promise you that all of us will do whatever is needed to be done to get the Senate in the hands of the good guys. Now, friends of mine on the left who are more cynical than I am are probably wondering why I'm sending you this letter. Well, to be honest, it's because I saw you kiss the head of that young, grieving man at the Parkland, Florida Memorial for the shooting victims of Stoneman Douglas High School. Do you remember? Let me just play a little bit of it for you. God love you. I wanted to. This is Chris's son. I'm his son. Well, how are you? Thank you for hugging me. Hmm? You okay? You okay? You'll be okay. We're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. I promise. Okay, I promise. This was the son of the athletic director who the killer shot to death. And he, and he said to you, I'm his son. And then he asked you, who are you the son of? Well, we've all heard who you are the son of. You, the son of Joseph Biden Sr. You, the son of the working class. That's not the only reason I'm sending you this letter. It's also because I saw you in New Hampshire earlier this year when we were all there working for Bernie and you were doing a campaign stop and there was a restless five-year-old boy in the front row. His parents were trying to get him to settle down. You stopped and spoke to the boy. Hey, buddy, you said in a kind but parental way. If you can just hang on and be a good boy for just a little bit, I'll buy you an ice cream. <laughs> the boy quieted down. You wrapped up and afterwards you went over to the boy and his parents and you gave the kid five bucks so his mom and dad could go get him an ice cream cone. And I thought to myself, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And then I started to cry because I wanted so much for that 
piece of America to come back. Goofy, kind, and focusing on what's truly important. A goddamn ice cream cone. I think that's why you won. People saw what I saw with you there in New Hampshire and back in Boston on that day 16 years ago. They knew in voting for you that maybe, just maybe, their lives might get just a little bit better. Hopefully, a lot better with you in the White House. Maybe less of them will die from the virus, this preventable horror. Trump, of whom we knew many despicable things and thought we'd already seen how low the bar could possibly go for one human being. But we never considered him under the moniker of mass killer, terrorist, or super spreader. Then you, Joe, came along and offered us a respite, a break from the insanity. It was like the whole nation was crying out, Mr. Biden, we'll be happy if you just give us four years of not Trump. But I think you can give us much more than that. What could our lives be like in four years or eight years with a Democratic Senate to boot? How about this? How about no one ever goes bankrupt again because they got sick? How about no one is sitting in a prison cell for possessing marijuana or even actual drugs? How about every child gets to go to a great school and every neighborhood has an expanded free library open seven days a week? How about paid family medical leave so you can take care of your elderly parents and not lose your job? How about my bullet train? Yes, my bullet train. Everybody's bullet train. Listen, you and we can make all this happen. It's not rocket science. 30, 40 countries already do it. And they're happier. So why not us? Our founders promised it to us in their second sentence. The pursuit of happiness. They said that's what America would be. And it's been a rare day when we've actually had a glimpse of it. Joe, if I can still call you that, you're the guy to fulfill this promise. I'll help. So will my neighbors on the floor where I live. As will the woman who delivers my mail and the workers who stock the shelves of my neighborhood market, and the nurse who just wrote me in tears today because yesterday she watched her 22nd patient die, alone, no family allowed, from COVID-19. And not to mention the millions upon millions of Americans who are ready to be foot soldiers in your army of justice, equality, and love. We're all in. We don't want to go back to the old normal. We want a new normal. We want 
ice cream. All my best, Michael Moore. Oh, and P.S. You know why I think you can and will do all this? Because you picked Kamala Harris to run with you. She was ranked as the most liberal senator in the U.S. Senate. And that's saying something if you got to beat out Bernie for that title. A woman, a black woman. I saw the first debate, the one where she challenged you and threw shade on your younger self. Most people, probably including me, if that had happened to us, we probably wouldn't have gotten over it. You did. I'm guessing your conscience whispered to you, well, dang, maybe she has a point. See, you hold no grudges. You are a forgiving soul. But then you didn't just forgive her. Who would do that? You did. That's why my cautious, hopeful bet is on the good hands we're now in. Both your hands, Kamala's hands, and the hands of the mass millions who voted for you and will continue to rise up and fight for this new, better, post-Trump, post-pandemic America. Thanks for listening to my open letter to President-elect Joe Biden. Thanks for whatever you're doing this week to take care of yourselves and to rejoice. And let's not take too much time, though, right now. Unfortunately, we've got some more work to do to get him out of that White House and to get these two Georgia senators elected. I will post some things on my social media to give you some um, some ways that you can help starting this week. So let's do that. <laughs> wow. It is time for the rumble, isn't it? Time for the good rumble. This is Rumble with Michael Moore. Thank you for listening. Please share this podcast. Please let me know your thoughts via email, mike at michaelmoore.com, or record a voicemail for me on the podcast site here. My thanks to our executive producer, Basil Hamden, our editor and sound engineer, Nick Quaz, and everybody else who um, is helpful to me as we all do this work together. And congratulations, everyone, everywhere, for what you've done. We'll talk more about the election here in the upcoming podcasts, and we'll have some, some good guests on I think you'll enjoy. Until then, take care.